Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. I got the red-eyed unemployed workers' desperation blues. Why does a wealthy country like Australia allow its unemployed workers to struggle in poverty without trying to create jobs? You may well ask. Unemployed Workers Fight Back is the Australian Unemployed Workers Union program, part of the sewer program on every second Friday of the month, 5.30pm on 3CR Community Radio. Our social security system is being defunded, privatised and dismantled, and the poor and vulnerable are being criminalised and trampled upon. The Australian Unemployed Workers Union is focused on helping unemployed and underemployed workers deal effectively with the job agencies, empowering them to fight back for their rights. Remember, Unemployed Workers Fight Back every second Friday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR Community Radio. Good afternoon, you're with Valerie Fafala on Unemployed Workers Fight Back, a program from the Australian Unemployed Workers Union on SUA every second Friday of the month at 5.30 on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am, digital, podcast and streaming live from 3cr.org.au and available tomorrow. So my guests today include Dr Joe Toscano, founder of PIPSI, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, who will discuss a vigil on public housing coming up this month and a rally coming up this afternoon. I'll also later talk to Sue Bolton from the Victorian Socialists about the upcoming state election. Uh, And the AUWU National Branch Coordinator Hayden Patterson will talk about the latest developments in the campaign against cashless welfare card. And I also have um, Geelong activist and AUWU activist Duncan Storer. Welcome, Duncan, as well. Hi, how's it going? Terrific. So Joe's got to, got to go off and talk to a rally, uh, which is a very important one, Stop Labor's Public Housing Sell-Offs, and that's later at 6pm at the State Library, Victoria. So, Joe, welcome on to our program. And, well, um, good afternoon. Good yes. afternoon. It's a pleasure to be here in the afternoon. I'm not used to being at 3CR in the afternoon. It's against my religion. Of course. Mm. Now, this is very, very important. This is one of your main issues. And um, talking about the upcoming state election, I understand that um, you're running as an independent for the uh, seat of Albert Park. Oh, yes. Well, Mr Martin Foley, the housing minister, is because people have to understand there are... Political consequences for decisions you make, and uh, it's quite quite annoying this because um, we're seeing basically the privatisation by stealth of what's ha- left of the public housing sector. It's left to go to ruin, rack and ruin. Yeah. Then uh, public land is given to private developers, and ten percent of uh, is then transferred, or the titles will be transferred to so-called community and social housing groups, which are basically private entities. Mm. And uh, this is if and if. Um, if either of the major party wins the next election in their own right on the 24th of November, this is what will happen to what's left of the public housing sector in this state. Now, Joe, have you had much support um, from other left-wing groups, for example? Well, look, I don't use the term left or right anymore. I use okay. the term activist and non-activist. Yes. It, it's a particularly difficult campaign. I've been an activist for the last 50 years, since 1968, and it's a particularly difficult campaign because 
there's really nobody left to assist, apart from the people involved in this campaign, which are basically uh, people like us and people like you know other groups like the Defend and Extend uh, Public Housing Network. The usual suspects who would assist are not there, and they're not there because they've been incorporated into the government's plans to transfer title to the community and social housing sector. So the usual organisations which would be screaming about public housing are not there. There's no such thing as a public housing association that's active anymore. The uh, tenants groups are basically uh, government apologists as far as I'm concerned. And so when you call on the people who are in public housing, the few people that have left the 60 to 70,000 are petrified about being turfed out. Yeah. The people on the waiting list, over 100,000, are really just waiting. Over 100,000. Over 100,000, that's mm. right. And uh, over the last two years, there's been this government uh, policy, both by Liberal Nationals and the ALP, to... Uh, confuse people about what public housing is. Now, public housing is housing that is owned by the state and managed by the state. It's not housing which is owned and managed by private corporations, irrespective of whether they're for profit or not for profit. So we've seen the government give a uh, $2 billion guarantee to the, the, the community and, and social housing sector. It's going to talk about transferring titles. It would have transferred titles if we hadn't... Uh, People hadn't been involved in the Defend and Extend Public Housing Network, the campaigns. We now have had a number of victories. We've had a, uh, uh, an assessment by the Legislative Council. We've had the government backtrack, and over the last um, 10 days, they've actually announced 1,000 a, a public housing That's units. That's not very much, is it? No, over four years. But the thing is, they've actually used the word public for the first time in four years. So have they been listening to you? Well, I've got no idea. I don't care whether they listen to me or not, but, that, no. but, but we will force them to listen. Yeah. And that's the whole purpose of this campaign, this 10-day vigil, which we're holding in November. Yes, and that goes from the 14th to the 24th. Yes, midday the, 20, midday the 14th of November to the 24th, which is Election Day, believe it or not. Yes. And we will be on the steps of Parliament House for as long as we can sustain that vigil. And what I mean by we, it's your listeners. Exactly, and we won't people to be activists. All you musos and everyone else come and support this cause. And I understand right. someone offered a, a portaloo or suggested no, a no, portaloo. No, no, <laughs> All you need is a we'll just got to, we'll have a Mikey K, just get into Parliament Station. You've got to walk, walk about 25 metres. It's a long walk, you know. I thought you were going to say, use the Parliament toilets. Well, no, that'll be, that'll be <laughs> public services officers will be there to stop that. <laughs> the thing is, it'll be quite interesting because two thirds of the, or about, no, about 70% of the front of the Parliament House has been boarded up for renovations right down to the street. So we're left with about 30% of the steps. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the first day or two. But mm. we, are, we are there to stay for the 10 days because have you noticed in this election campaign, it's about putting railway crossings before people? Have you noticed? It's about infrastructure and it's about law and order. Nobody uses the term public housing. Nobody of the major political parties, apart from the Greens, have actually got a policy on public housing, apart from privatising it. And what's their... <clears throat> given that the rents are so expensive for poor and unemployed people on mm. Newstart, mm. what's the government's rationale for that? How do they justify well, that? Well, it means you, wa you wash your hands of a responsibility. Yeah. And that's what this is about. It's about outsourcing your responsibility. This yep. is what privatisation is about, whether it's the privatisation of Centrelink, Newstart, whatever you like, the old employment office, you know, uh, electricity, gas, whatever. It's about outsourcing your responsibilities of government to the private sector. And this is what they want to do with public housing. And, and, the, and, the, and the crime is this is a Labor government that's doing this. Yeah. 
Now, just talking about PIPSI, which is your organisation, uh, defined as a political community-based group that uses both electoral politics and workplace and community action to ensure Australians, not just a small minority, all Australians, enjoy the fruits of this rich land. Now, this is so important. So you aim to ensure the interests of the Australian public are put before the interests of unaccountable corporations, just who are trying to increase profits for their major shareholders. shareholders. Simple concept, yeah. putting the, the interests of the many, which is the public. What's That's what the word is. People don't even understand what the public is. The word has been so debased. It is the many. Yeah. The interests of the many before the interests of the few, which are unaccountable corporations. Now, this public housing... Um, We've actually got a, a costed program to resolve the housing crisis in Victoria. We can reduce rents, reduce property prices at the lower end of the market, uh, uh, eliminate homelessness within a year, get rid of the uh, uh, the waiting list within a year of 100,000. It's very simple. Now, you know, I don't know if you've ever been a homeowner, Valerie, in your life? Have you ever yes. bought a house? Yeah. What do you... That was when it was a lot cheaper, though. Yeah, but, but what happens? You pay stamp duty. Yeah. So you pay the government money for the privilege of buying a house. So what last year the Victorian government collected six billion dollars in stamp duty. So our policy on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House over that ten days is very simple and we've got a huge banner to elucidate the policy. And if we use Victorian stamp duty revenue, six billion dollars plus per year for public housing, you can house one million Victorians by 2029 in secure, stable accommodation for 25% of their income. Mm. And if you increase the public sector, as far as housing is concerned, public housing, investors are forced out of the rental market, rents drop at the lower end of the market, Mm. investors are forced to sell, prices at the lower end of the market will also drop, you increase, you decrease crime, you increase community security... And you actually improve the economy because what it means is as rents and housing prices drop, people have more disposable income to actually buy things and do things in the workplace. So it's a win-win situation. It doesn't need revolution. It doesn't need an analysis. It doesn't need blood in the streets. It's a simple decision which can be made by both houses of parliament. Yeah, it's very important at the state decision. Le- at the state level. Who else is going to be speaking at the rally, Joe? I'm afternoon? not sure. I'm not sure. I assume there'll be a lot of erudite speakers there. That's at 6pm today. But the important thing is, look, the rally's important, but what's even more important is the 10-day vigil. Oh, because certainly. It's, because, because the time for talking has finished. We need to put our body on the lines. We need to show our character. I know it's a word people don't like, but character. Activists have character. With character, you stamp yourself on the public consciousness. And by using our body on these 10 days, we hope, irrespective of what happens, whether we're arrested or not, to bring make housing and public housing a significant issue. And I'm also standing as the independent, the only independent candidate in Albert Park against Mr Martin Foley. Not yeah, that I'd like the him. housing minister. He's the housing minister who's the architect of this policy, who's convinced the Labor Party rank and file to privatise public housing. I've seen it done at Flemington, the whole, the whole idea of selling off the Oval so that um, multicultural groups who are getting together and really you know, finding that they can live together will be split up and divided and some sent off to whoop-whoop yep. where they don't have that community and, right. and, and transport. And no right of return. No, no right of return. They'll be like Palestinians. No right of return. Yeah. You get sent to Mall or to Railgun or wherever. 
Yeah. You know, if you're lucky enough to get to get a place, and if you complain, you don't get a place. So it seems to be part of the demonising that we were talking earlier about, demonising mm. of disadvantaged people. Yeah, well, they split us all up into different groups, don't they, so that we can't mm. all get together mm. and yeah. fight against them. Yeah, the beauty about the Tendo Vigil is you don't have to ring your mother, you don't have to email anybody, you don't have to bring any money, bring yourself. Yeah. We expect people to feed and clove us. And, and, you know, gives us food and water. I hope you'll be having clothes on. We'll have clothes on, but the food and water, <laughs> food, and, food and water, and maybe a blanket or two. But yeah. And we want musicians to come. We, we want will, this, we will. We want this to become a hub in the next 10 days for public housing on the political program of using Victorian stamp duty, $6 billion a year yeah. for public housing, which makes sense. If you put does. a tax... Mm. And people buying a house, if you use that tax for public housing, you can house 25,000. And provides jobs too. Oh, let's forget about jobs. Yeah. You know? I mean, we, <laughs> we need people. On, and look at all these poor people in New Start Allowance. You'll be able to actually buy something because your rent will only be 25% of your New Start Allowance. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But hopefully the new start allowance will be increased because you can't really survive on that at all, can no, you, Duncan? No, no you but, can't. But at least instead of spending 60 or 70% on rent, you'd be spending 25%. So it does yeah. help. So just a reminder, everybody, um, the vigil is held by public interest before corporate interest, PIPSI it's known as, uh, and it's going to be a vigil on public housing uh, to stop Labor's public housing sell-offs. And no, 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 no. It's not to it's stop Labor's, but the vigil, that's, that's defending. Quite separate. The, no, the vigil is about expanding the public housing sector to make public housing a viable part of the housing mix. It's much, much more. Because they're trying to bury it, aren't they? Yeah. It's much, much more than defending what we've got. It's yep. about grossly extending, like in the 40s and 50s and 80s and 90s, extending the public housing sector to take care of human need in the state. So it's much more than the sell-offs, much, much more. Oh, well, thank you for explaining that to me. Okay. Well, so um, come come on to Parliament Steps, 14th to the 24th, and, and join the vigil and um, participate. Can I make a, an announcement? Yes, John. We need intelligent people who know how to use new technology. We have a, we have a YouTube channel and we need people, in case we get into difficulties, to actually uh, live stream what's going on over that is 10 days. I mean, they've got their CCTV cameras, obviously, but we want to live stream it on YouTube so other Victorians can see what we're doing and come and join us. So if there's anybody with those skills, we'd love to see them down there. Okay. Thanks very much. And we were just speaking to Dr Joe Toscano. Thanks. I've got Duncan Storer. How's it going? Here at the program. Terrific. Duncan, you've been to, been attending poverty conferences in Canberra. We'll have to have a talk about that. You've been around and... Yeah, I've been all over the place. Being very political. I just want to ask you a couple of, um, your views on a couple of news pieces recently, just just the last couple of days, which were quite shocking to me. Um, One was um, headed in The Guardian on the 6th. Single parents forced to attend story time or lose Centrelink payments. Parents on the scheme say they must attend children's activities or undertake self-funded study to qualify. And the example is that, um, um, for example, um, the mother of two, Rosalind Chia, had left a violent relationship a few years ago and was now in the final year of a psychological science degree. 
And then the phone rang. It was Centrelink. And she said, well, what was really frustrating is if they just left me alone for another year, I was nearly finished with university and I was so excited to get off Centrelink. But she's one of 68,000 parents who've been placed on a new government program, Parents Next. And she, um, after receiving a call from Centrelink, assessing whether they're at risk of long-term welfare dependency. So in a patronising way, what they, what they do is, Centrelink says that um, they must um, meet a fortnightly participation plan negotiated with a caseworker known as their parents next provider if they don't their parenting payment that's $384.25 for a single person can be suspended or terminated and these are for parents assuming that they're not already providing what they can by way of activities for their children Um, so they say they're being forced by their providers to attend activities such as Storytime swimming lessons or playgroup or told to sign up to education courses at their own expense, even if they already hold qualifications. And this is very manipulative, invasive, isn't it? It's, it's apart from social engineering, yeah. it's just a further extension of the this Liberal government's hatred of the single mothers in this. Because like, when we're talking single parents, that's who we're talking about. We're talking about women. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of really good single fathers out there as well, but the majority are women. And this government has done nothing for the, for the last five years of persecuting women. Um, the f- mutual obligations when you've got a se- eight, six, seven-year-old child is, is is abuse to a child. What you're talking about there is the same thing. It was a very big subject at the ACOS conference, by the way. Was it? Um, mm-hmm. Yes, everybody was talking about it. Good Shepherd especially. I think they've done research on Parents Next program. Um, it's... Taking away the ability for a mother to take care of her child is taking away the ability for the child to just have a normal childhood life. The other kicker on top of that is what they've also done to poor single mothers is if you don't work, you can lose, you, you lose, they've done something to daycare, which basically denies poor children of early childhood learning, which means when they get to school, they're already behind. If you want to do something about interge- intergenerational poverty, don't deny the children of poor poor single parents their education and and, and you might do something about their poverty in the future when they're adults it is stigmatizing it takes away their dignity and they're already working really hard and and she said this this woman cheer um rosalind cheer we're not stupid we do know how to manage our own lives i don't think parenting should be devalued she says i feel like there's a real sexist element to it that you're doing nothing on the public purse Yes, ex- exactly that. Um, you've also got to understand that all these the, 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 these single parents are all on New Start. They're not on a single parent pension, so they're all living two hundred and fifty six dollars below the poverty line to begin with. Um, and and things like this just make it so much harder. How 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 do you attend mutual obligations when you don't have a vehicle to get there and there's no public transport? But in order, if you don't attend these meetings. You will then be cut off your from your parent payments. Mm. How do you feed your child after that point? It's just ludicrous, isn't it? It just seems like they have whoever made these in, social engineering decisions has no idea how difficult it is, um, and they're assuming that um, these people are not interested in their kids. 
either that or worst worst case scenario is they do um and they <laughs> oh, yeah, they, well, they exactly. fully understand exactly what they're doing uh, i i believe that maybe they might have this illusion in their heads that if they push people to the point of absolute breaking point they will then go out and find their own income there's no jobs i think that's what it is too the green senator rachel seward who attempted to block the expansion in the senate in september um, of this parent next was concerned young mothers would drop off parenting payments altogether as she said had occurred with the community development program so um that's already mm-hmm. happening Labor's Employment Services spokeswoman Terry Butler said the opposition supported the aim of Parents Next but was far from persuaded that the government's targeted compliance framework is suited to a pre-employment program of this type. Um, mm. So the other issue I wanted to raise with you was an article in the Brisbane Times, I think it was, um, well, just the last couple of days, uh, entitled No Job, No Marriage, No Home, Mm. She thought her son hit rock bottom, but entering rehab cost him. So when Danielle's son David went into long-term rehab to address his severe alcoholism, she believed he'd already lost everything there was to lose. Uh, he'd, uh, he applied for New Start for the first time in his life, with 80% of the money going to the rehab facility to sub- subsidise his treatment, keeping the rest to spend on toiletries and other personal items. But then he lost that too, because they de- denied him New Start. So he's he's gone into lockdown in rehab because he can't attend his meetings with the job agency. He's now been cut off. It's another arm of that hatred of poor people of the Liberal Party. Um, again, it's the exact same thing where what are they trying to say to this person? You're trying to get better so that we're going to cut you off so that you can't. And the other thing that this is also doing is transferring costs to the state. Basically, what will happen with this person is that they're, they're going to end up with no new start because now he's got to reapply for new start. So you have that waiting period as well right through. So it's, oh, I'm just out of detox. Everything's going good. Can I have a new start payment? Sorry, you got to wait four years ago. Those drugs he just got off are starting to look pretty damn good again, aren't they? Um, so uh, uh, apart from that... It's the state that has to pick up the cost of that. Somebody has to pay for that rehab, and whereas his social security payment was paying for that rehab, now it'll be the state government or the charities, or worst-case scenario, the place providing rehab will close down and it'll be just another place where people can't go for help again. And sometimes I think that's... The goal of the Liberal Party is to make it so that we don't have any services, so that we don't have any money, so that we don't have anything. And I'm very worried about how that's playing out now after five years on the ground. I've been poor all my life. I've never seen poverty like it is today. Mm, A man was stabbed in my front yard a week ago. That was a crime of poverty. Like, it might look like a crime of violence, it might look like all these other things, but basically what you have is two very poor people who are sharing a house, nobody's paid the bills, they've had a fight and it's leached out onto our street. If they were getting enough money within within their new start, they'd be able to pay the bills, they'd be able to pay the power and they wouldn't be so stressed that they're stabbing each other. Oh, no, exactly. So... Job seekers participating in drug and alcohol treatment are supposed to be afforded a medical exemption from attending appointments, 
but in a misapplication of the rules by job agencies. Many are being told they can no longer claim the exemption at all. Um, and rehab services say the problem's widespread and as the facilities stand to loot hundreds of thousands of dollars, they will close and there's already a shortage of facilities, yeah, there's no especially beds, in Victoria. There so, you know. There, there's no beds. There's And how are you like? So the the other thing that they'll say to these people after this all plays out is, oh, well, we'll all have to put everyone on the welfare card. Exactly, um, that's the next thing. Yeah, yeah cashless and welfare card. That doesn't work. The only thing protecting us in Victoria from the welfare card, as I can see at the moment, is our human rights that we have in the state of Victoria. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that's correct. Um, basically, everything that the social security, the, the, the Liberal government is doing to us on social security is a violation of our human rights. Yeah. What I'm more shocked about is that the rest of the population seem to think that's an okay thing to do. Yeah. So. No, they do. And a couple of comments from on that issue. Robert Sterling, Deputy Chief Executive of the Network of Alcohol and Other Drug Agencies, NADA, said treatment providers reported the recent changes had caused undue stress and burden on clients and have been a barrier to accessing treatment. So the government says, yes, you go and get treatment, you get off whatever you're on, but they've actually preventing them from doing that. And not using treatment is one of the reasons they use to cut you off New Start, by the way, not accessing treatment. So yeah. so if you say, oh, I've got a drug problem, and they say, right, you have to access treatment, if you then can't access treatment, you are then not treating your drug issues, so therefore we'll take away your payments. So you're in a double bind then? Well, you're on a one-way trip to jails where you and are. And it's not seeing it as a health issue, yeah. which is um, is being... You know, education services are saying it's a health issue. They're demonising it again as a criminal yeah. issue. Um, and the other thing is in every one of these steps, there's somebody getting money, right? So in all of these steps where they create situations where we continually fall over, one there to sort of help us and they're getting money and where that, that money would be so much better given to the people who have no money in order so that we can fix our own lives up. It's like Joe was saying with the housing, it's the same concept. Like the state should be running our housing, the state should be running our medical stuff and the state should be providing enough money to the people in the society so that they can live and they're clearly not doing that. We... You, like, like with the single mothers thing, what will help a child is the single mother haven't been put given her single parent pension back rather than having on oh, a new start. A story isn't going to help a child out of poverty. No, look, that's so true. That was a I like Julia Gillard, but that was a very bad mistake doing that because I actually have a daughter who um, has a, a seven year old who will turn eight at, when he turns eight. He'll be you know I I can't see how she'll manage. She's works very hard as well as being on the single parent's pension. And, um, you know, there are other, other people in that situation too. It's terrible. It's the children in the next generation that are stuck in poverty because of that. And yeah. if Labor has any morals, they'd rep they'd repeal that. If you, if, if you want three million people, if, if Labor want three million votes in the next election, then repeal taking away, putting single parents on the pension and immediately everybody who's got a child in this country will vote for Labor. I don't understand why Labor can't see that. 
Okay, we're going to go for a song now. And before we speak to Hayden Patterson, uh, this is We Are The People, Empire of the Sun. Swimming in December Heading for the city lights And I ain't having fun We're sharing each other And there isn't all the Scent of the lemon Drips from your Good afternoon, Hayden. Yes. Hayden Patterson, he's the um, National Branch Manager of the Australian Unemployed Workers' Union. I'm here with Duncan Storer. I think you know Duncan, don't you? Hi, Hayden. We met met at the conference. Yeah, how are you, man? Which which conference was that with the Anti-Poverty Conference? Uh, The ACOS Conference in Sydney. The ACOS Conference, yeah, because you you attended a couple recently, didn't you, um, Duncan? Yeah, um, I'd... I went to the Poverty Review and also the ACOS conference. I think Aidan did the anti, Anti-Poverty Conference. So, Hayden, um, how did you find the ACOS conference? Can you talk briefly about that before we go on to the issue of the cashless welfare card? I, I found it absolutely fascinating. There were a lot of good people there, including Duncan. Um, it, it was good to see some uh, comrades mine from all around the country um, but we got to talk about some really good issues for some really important people. Yes. Uh, so we managed to, let's just say, confront Minister Fletcher. Yeah. Uh, and we also got to speak to Linda Burney and let her know exactly what it's like for us living everyday lives that they're constantly uh, making decisions and affecting. So, um, And out of all of those, uh, Richard Di Natale actually put on a T-shirt that we presented him. So. Oh. Good. It was actually quite good, but yeah, definitely a lot of a lot of people to speak to over the next coming weeks. And tell me, how did uh, Paul Fletcher respond to your discussion with him? Uh, with an indignant <laughs> arrogance. Um, Pardon? With an indignant arrogance. Really? Absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I uh, was fortunate to receive funding from ACOS to attend the conference, so I had to leave the room so that I wouldn't embarrass them. Oh. <laughs> um, I was coughing on a lolly that I didn't have, and it seemed to keep getting stuck in my throat. <laughs> I see, I see. That was very wise of you. Yeah. But uh, I think we were we were talking about uh, that attitude, um, that uh, highly arrogant attitude, which really doesn't understand how the other half lives. And, and it's quite surprising, considering he's the sixth minister to hold that job in six years, and... <laughs> 
it's almost as insulting as someone like Tony Abbott as the Indigenous Affairs Minister oh, and yes. walking in and saying, I'm sorry about the invasion. <laughs> oh, I know. Absolutely <laughs> shocking. So um, the ACOS conference um, had some good speakers as well, apart from oh, him? Some, some fantastic speakers. And there was also the New Start Choir. Oh, great. Because Eileen, who's the lead singer of it here in Adelaide, was yeah. there, yeah. I was roped into getting up on stage, and I haven't been in the choir since year six. However, <laughs> um, it was the end of the conference. We're all coming down a little bit, and it really changed the, the feel of the room and the atmosphere, and everyone was up and singing and clapping. and oh. it, it was so good that I'm going to be in the New Start Choir in Adelaide at the Labor Party conference. And did the um, Conservatives get the message about the increase in New Start, or...? Or not interested? Uh, absolutely not interested. It was written up very well by uh, Luke in The Guardian. Yeah. And uh, he quoted him and the other ministers that attended. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, as I say, it's just an absolute contempt and arrogance that they have for anyone who might dare speak up about what it's really like. So pretty much anyone that we know. Everyone knows someone living in vulnerable circumstances. Yeah, so ACOS is... Um going with a $75 increase, and I think uh, the Unemployed Workers' Union is going for an increase to the poverty line, which is about double that. That's correct. And uh, so are other groups. So, for example, the Anti-Poverty Network in Queensland are also calling it for the uh, the Henderson Poverty Line. Yeah. So tell us about uh, what's been happening with the cashless welfare card and some of the people that you spoke to, some of their issues. Um, So, I mean, it feels like a while ago, but I... I, some of them just yesterday and uh, some of the issues that they have on it for example is they're restricted on making everyday purchases that most people take for granted Um, so they'll find that uh, some traders are not on approved trading list so for example uh, the Oyster Fest which is the Juna's biggest event that was on in town recently uh, no one can use their cashless welfare card there so it's almost like they feel Uninvited to the party, but don't yeah. and let people see you there either. Because there's a lot of shame being reported about people feel completely stigmatised and shamed by having one of these cards. Yeah, it, it, there absolutely is, and everyone in the shop knows. I mean, we walked into Sajuna and we'd never seen one before, but as soon as we looked at someone over at the checkout, we could see they were using a grey card, and yes, it was an Indu card, and she was a little bit hesitant to speak to us, but she was telling us, She's no longer on it, but she's got family members who still are, and they were obviously happy to see us when we're at the Juno for the meeting. So I guess the idea is that um, if people don't want to be on the card, well, then they have to, they, they can't um, expect any government support. No, they can't. And uh, so how are they going to survive if they can't well, get a job? Uh, from what I've uh, heard in the research that I've been doing, uh, obviously to find out what I was doing before I went to Sejuna. Just in the last 10 years that this forced income management has been in Northern Territory, 6,000 Indigenous Australians have fallen off the system completely. How are those people surviving except for the reliance on their family and perhaps a little bit of crime? It's a real crime, isn't it? It is. It's also a racist crime, but Mm -hmm. um, funny all these places where these cards are seen to go in places, places that... majority of the people in the communities are Aboriginal and there's no other way you can look at that but racism. It, it, it's specific. 
specifically targeted at the people we care least about, the Indigenous Australians and the unemployed. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so what about, the, uh, what about the Queensland one? So that's actually rolling out on the 29th of January. Yeah. Um, and that's going to Harvey Bay and the 10 towns surrounding that. And we spoke to a lot of people that are quite active uh, in campaigning against the card up there. And they've been doing this ever since it started in Sejuna. And it's been a three-year fight. And they're just absolutely defeated because it is now being rolled out in such a large extent. So, And um, there's been a real lack of consultation with people that put on this card. Um, other issues have been raised. For example, what happens if there's a power failure yep. and they're stuck uh, with absolutely no way of, of um, getting anything. For instance recently when Telstra went down with their internet and those uh, parolees weren't being monitored uh, no one was able to use their NG card so that's the sort of situation and sometimes it might be days before that uh, restored. There's no backup manual way to be able to put a purchase through yep. even if it's medication. Yeah. No, it's, it's got so many things wrong with it and, and uh and yet the research um, isn't being accountable either, um, no, as the Greens have pointed out and as we've pointed out. So how are we going to get that accountability happening? Well, I mean, that's what I've been presenting to all of the politicians that I'm speaking with is, you know, even the ANAO audit came out and all of the research is coming out contrary to the government's message. But the, it, it's, it goes back to that sheer arrogance of, no one wants to look at the facts or see what's really happening. Um, Mayor Suter was quoted as saying it would just be a minor inconvenience to those who aren't drug addicts, alcoholics or gamblers. Oh, okay, more demonisation. Can I ask you a question, just because I haven't been speaking to people in Sedona lately? Um, it's When the card first came out, there was a real... But basically, you don't have cash. There was a, a, a quite an open market in selling your Indu card for two-thirds the value of the card. I'm just wondering, is that still going on? You can't actually use the card if it's not you on it. So oh, okay, so they... have got children, you can't even send your children down to use it. So, it, once again, it really restricts your ability for common everyday purchases that other people take for granted. You might get $24 a week as the cash component of your income support allowance and how does that last when you've got children? You can't even buy a coffee and a paper every day for that. No, it's absolutely shocking and then of course um, many um, people on Newstart are so frugal, they you know they just buy second hand things or they go to the farmer's market to get fruit and veg. Which you can't do anymore. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lady that used to volunteer at a, a, a craft shop, I'll say, and uh, she used to take along knitting needles and wool and things like that. She used to buy it on eBay and unable to make those purchases. You can't do anything that's got PayPal. Yeah, even though it's meant to be a high-tech sort of situation, it's not at all. And, in fact, it's very old-fashioned. And, and you're right, Valerie. Um, these people have learned to become the most frugal with the most minuscule amount yeah. and even that's being taken away. Yeah. That's really shocking. Now, just briefly, can you um, tell us about the anti-poverty conference that you attended? Yeah, so uh, I attended both the Anti-Poverty Network Summit here in South Australia yeah. and then a week later at uh, the Anti-Poverty Conference 
in Brisbane and it was actually fantastic. There was a lot of people who came from all over the country and it was just such a uplifting environment. We spoke about many things. Uh, cashless welfare card was one of the issues that was spoken about. Um, but it was a great meeting place for all the activists that we'd spoken to throughout the year. Uh, one of our comrades from Melbourne, Tilda Joy, yeah. from the Retails and Fast Food Workers Union, was also there. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was great to catch up with all of these people and have some good food and also work out what we're going to do over the next year. So we've got a lot of collaboration projects coming out in the future. Oh, thank goodness for that. I just love the Anti-Poverty Network. They're a great bunch of people. I I fully agree. Fantastic people. And if we all work together, we can get things happening. The thing I love about the Anti-Poverty Network is it's poor people fighting for poor people. Yeah. It's a lot like the union. It it, it was also great to celebrate their most recent uh, accomplishment where Logan City Council had passed a motion to support the raise to new start to the Henderson Poverty Line. That's an absolutely massive win. That is. So that's raised to the Henderson line. Yes, that's what the local city council... The council supported that idea. Yeah. So they're the last mainland state to come on board with this campaign. And that's fantastic because Queensland, you know, often a bit sluggish in... In some ways, of course, not the not the real people. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, yeah, Queensland's often just described as an interesting place politically. Yeah, yeah. I noticed Scott Morrison bypassed Bundaberg, <laughs> yeah. Harvey Bay. <laughs> yes, that's uh, a, well, a, his bus did because he's been going by plane. That's yeah. right, not his bus. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Hayden Patterson, thank you very much for having a chat with us on um, Unemployed Workers Fight Back. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you, Duncan. Good talking to you. Yeah, I'll talk to you. Um, There's a couple of events that are are coming up um, that sound really good next Tuesday evening um, at the new international bookshop, Trades Hall. It's called Wrong Way, How Privatisation and Economic Reform Backfired. That's going to be um, on from 7 till 8.30. And also, um, Jeff Sparrow will officially launch the book followed by comments from the two editors, Damien Cahill and Philip Toner. In Wrong Way, Australia's leading economists and public intellectuals do a cost-benefit analysis of the key economic reforms, including childcare, aged care, housing, banking, prisons, universities and the NBN. Have these reforms for the Australian community and its economy been worthwhile? Have they given us a better society as promised? So that sounds really good. The same night, there's another event. It's a pity these good events are on the same night, isn't it? Oh, they're always running at the same time. I know. The other one is a Green Left Weekly event on the same date, 13th of November. Is there a Trump economic miracle for workers? And that's featuring Guy Rundle, crikey journalist who's covered every US presidential election since 2008, and Dr Jeremy Smith... Associate Professor of Sociology, Federation University Australia, who's recently returned from the US covering the midterm elections. So uh, the story of that is all the right-wing pundits lord Trump as the saviour for the US economy, loved by blue-collar workers and big business alike, but the reality is quite different. So you can contact Green Left Weekly, 96398622. Now, I was going to talk to um, Sue Bolton, about that, Sue Bolton's from the Victorian Socialists and um, the Victorian Socialists are going to be in the upcoming state election. So that'll be very interesting. But she's not available at the moment. 
So I think I'm going to continue chatting with Duncan about some of these issues. Now, can we talk about the conferences that you've yeah. been at and and what you what made you angry about any of them and, and where you th- thought they were good? Okay, the first one I went to three weeks ago was the ACOS Poverty Review, and that was Cassandra Goldie. Um, one thing I will say about ACOS, I really like this new tell the government how it is attitude they've got. It's, it seems to change, but from the people I've met at ACOS, that's just a point of they've got no choice anymore, poverty, the rise of poverty, and that has just gotten to the point. But some of the figures that came out, one in seven children are in poverty. Yeah. Um, it's always the child poverty poverty figures that hit me the hardest. When I look at stats, I, I don't... I don't really need to look at stats to see what poverty is like. You just go out in the street, go to any park and see what family's sleeping in the park at night. Um, and you're from Geelong, aren't you? Yes, I'm from Geelong. Um, and poverty's reached the suburbs out there. It's like it's never been the, the way it is. Like, So it's such a visual thing yeah. that... Um, that 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 you you see it's it's never been like that, and I've I've always been in poor socioeconomic areas, so I can tell you what it was like to be poor as a child in the seventies, poor as a teenager in the eighties, poor mm. as an adult in the nineties, and so on. Mm. And the the state of society at the moment has I've never ever seen it like this. Mm. Um, yeah, it's everything's through the roof. But the main one of the main things to look at to see how bad society is is if you spend a day at a magistrate's court, look at how many people are getting charged for stealing food. Really, I haven't didn't realise that. Yeah, that's shocking. It's, you just you just stealing sit at, food. Yeah, that's it. Um, one one of my People like me have black humour. I don't like, mean it's shocking stealing food. I mean it, it's that reminds me of the old convicts. Yeah, yeah. This is people like me have a lot of dark black humour. You, you mm. have to. Yeah. We, we deal with dark subjects. Yeah. Um, and one of my funny jokes at the moment was we founded Australia by taking people stealing loaves of bread and moved them out to Australia. Now with Peter Dutton's um, immigration and deportation powers. We are now deporting people back to Britain for stealing bread and there's been three cases where that's happened where people have been deported back to Britain for shoplifting. So, yes, it's a funny joke, but it's also something that's seriously happening. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's the same with the crime that we have. Like we go on, we're having an election here, our election has been sort of fought on Sudanese crime, yeah. which enables both parties to have a fight to the bottom to see who can be the hardest. Yeah. But all those crimes that we're seeing are crimes of poverty. Mm. They're, 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 and the exact same crimes that you see Sudanese kids committing in Sunshine, you'll see white kids committing in Whittington or other children of, of other nationalities depending on wherever they've grouped the nationalities. But the reasons for the crimes have nothing to do with our nationalities. They have nothing to do with any of those sorts of things it boils down to nobody has any money and th- that gets right down to the point of we no longer have money for food. That's right. Um, That's right. It's shocking. Now, you also mentioned earlier um, um, some sort of inquiry into intergenerational poverty from the government, but that to me doesn't sound 
<laughs> that sounds like it's stigmatising these people further. Well, it's all these. Like, if you look at my life, you well, there's three generations of poverty there. Mm. It's like my mother was not her fault that the circumstances she had. It's not my fault the circumstances I've got, and it's not my children's problems the circumstances they've got. It's poverty is in the, if you want to fix poverty, raise new start. If you yep. want to fix poverty. Increase public housing. Yep. Do we've done this before? We were actually almost there. But between Bob Hawke, Malcolm Fraser, yes, that's weird to say a liberal, but it was a joint thing. Both liberal and Labor looked at society and went, "If we don't fix poverty, we're going to end up with skyrocketing prison rates, horrible mental health rates." But the other thing we'll do is. And this is where it gets really weird. Menzies did it because he was terrified we'd all become communist. Mm -hmm. Gough Whitlam did it because he was terrified we'd all become fascist. But they both had the same solution. We have to lift people out of poverty because otherwise they're going to lurch all the way to the left or or lurch all the way to the right. And we can't afford that as a society. Somewhere along the line, we forgot that simple fact. We're judged by the, the by how the poorest people in this society live, not how the richest people are. And when you have the Herald Sun three weeks ago with their lovely headline saying, we have 100% employment because it's 5% and according to economists, that's 100% employment. Oh, they're all raving about how we've got the job, we've got the jobs for people now doing a great job. Yeah, yeah. So Tell us another one. If 733,000 children are the end, in, in poverty are the end result of it having full employment in this country, <laughs> obviously the best form of welfare isn't a job because we've all got the bloody jobs, mm. but we still have $733,000 of 1,000 children in poverty. They're just coming at everything from the wrong entire angle. $53 billion to rich people so that what they might give somebody a job. $50 billion in public housing would do a hell of a lot more for our economy than giving money to a rich person. And an increase in Newstart because if people have money, then they're going to buy more. Yeah, exactly. And it's so logical, isn't it? It's that, that, that's, that's what's going to save the small small business in the small shopping centre. Yeah. Nothing else is. Like nobody's going down to the small shopping centre that's got six shops in it, apart from the people who live around that shopping centre. If exactly. we don't have no money, then all of those shopping centres are going to close down. They've already closed down. Yeah. Maybe if you give us some more money, they might open up again. Yeah, you make some very good points, and we're going to have to go now. Duncan, you've been a terrific guest. Thanks very much. Thank you. Probably um, head off down to the... Um Public housing rally, I think. Yeah, Stop I've... Labor's public housing sell-offs. It's a uh, State Library Victoria. It starts at six today. There's someone.